0: Today, as we continue our John series, we're in chapter 1, verse 43 to 51. It is a short passage, um, part of the fall, first call, calling of Jesus' disciples. Um, last week, a quick review, is that when Jesus uh, calls, us to, calls us to follow him, He invites us at least to three things in that passage thirty five verses thirty five to forty two. The first one, Jesus invites us to examine our ultimate passion and purpose in life. Even we might as well come prepared that radical disciples of John the Baptist. Jesus was asking, What are you seeking? So it is important that we do not not seek our our ends through the means of Jesus in following him. Secondly, it was important for us to look that Jesus invites us to cultivate personal intimate relationship with him, not to attend seminar meetings and worship and 90-minute service a week, um, and it all came down to the consumer-oriented churches' just popularity in Western culture. Right? It, it is so sad to think about what does it mean to become a Christian, is that to go to church once in a while on Sunday, and that 70-minute or 90-minute became that. What Jesus is doing is not don't do sessions with me or or classes with me, come live with me, walk with me, cultivate relationship with me. That is actually what Jesus is inviting us. A sad reality is this. Men and women, when our teenage boys encountered this kind of tragedy, they lost his their uh, grandpa, and they seen him a few days ago. One of them, you know, the day before, because he's a visiting, at, at, you know. But if they had walked with him, they had a personal relationship with him, they have something to deal with. Their faith is real. The same is ours also, too. It is intellectual, or some kind of ideology, it will not uphold us. But following Jesus is all about cultivating relationship. And that's why Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with Christ. Thirdly, Jesus invites us to pursue inside-out transformation of who we are. Simon came by the urge of his brother. Uh, Andrew, you are Simon, but you shall be called Cephas. The Aramaic for Peter. Peter would be the Greek word, rock. Jesus saw not not only the potentiality, but the character change that he's calling. So today, it, it is almost like a flip side of it, he calls Philip and Philip brings his friend Nathaniel. But our perspective um, as we meditate on this passage, maybe if we structure this hanger of our thoughts, we could put it this way. The The passage last week was what Jesus invites us to when he calls us to follow him, and this week, what does it becoming a follower of Jesus entail, according to this story? How do we follow him? What does it following him means what? And I think if there is a, some redundancy, but it's a very fresh angle. it will be very helpful. Uh, for, for us so naturally there are four phrases coming from this passage 43 to 51 the first f- uh, phrase is follow me and the lesson that we could draw from there is a following Jesus means to make a perpetual commitment to follow him Not ideologies or institutions. Verse 43 is a simple verse. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. The last week's passage, two disciples of John the Baptist heard the witness of John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God. And they went to Jesus. And then Simon was brought to him. So this is the very first time Jesus ever approached someone, took the initiative, and said, follow me. If we don't linger there, this is so elementary, so basic. What is there to even meditate But when you think about this elementary mundane thing is the most essential thing about being a Christian or becoming a Christian. We're to follow him. Do you remember? I don't know. Some of you probably had that agnostic stage or a cynical stage before you came to know Christ. Um, some some people even after that as well. Oh, I don't like about this. The church people are full of hypocrite hypocrites, and um, I, you know they ask for money too many times. Uh, I have this complaint and that complaint. But if we look at this, this crystallized what Christian life is all about. Jesus said, follow me. Not his ideology, not institution, not organization, not certain personalities that Jesus uh, had put a stamp on according to them, but follow me. Me, the person, if we, according to Hebrews 12, verse 1, fixed our eyes on Jesus and not look to the left and, you know, to, the, to the right, we will have true, authentic discipleship. And in so doing, I think this culture. The scheme, the tactic that evil one has for us is destruction. Follow him. Oh, what about that? Follow him. Oh. oh, what about him? Oh, follow him. Oh, what about this thing that is very difficult for me to understand? When we keep our focus on Jesus and his character, his life, his example, because he is perfect God and perfect man, we will not be disappointed. The problem is when we begin to say, I don't like that pastor, I don't like that teacher, I don't like that home group leader, I don't like that this men's group leader. Woman's group leader. Oh, I don't like the so-and-so I, because of that I just can't stay in this church anymore. That is not following Christ. Oh, here's another thing. The Because of Internet, there's a lot of things trending, right? The trending things, even the videos are trending and so many people Watched it. Oh, if ten million people watch this video, it must be good. I need to watch too. It became like that, right? So there goes my thirty minutes of going after those distractions. But even more so, when we think about, um, am I following Jesus the person today? Okay, I'm committed. But it's not trending anymore. So okay, it, it's not that in anymore, and then I could do something else, kind of thing. So in terms of uh, following him every day, and day and night, all the way, what would that, what would that take? Do you realize that? Following Jesus is making commitment to follow him every day. Lord, I will follow you. I'll follow your way. Point the way. I'll follow your character. Perpetual commitment to be a disciple of Christ. I wonder... Um, our culture rationalized this—the lack of loyalty in our relationships, in our marriage. So the, there's a concept of a that was then, and this is now. Yeah, I used to be crazy about you. I used to bring flowers and you know, written tons of love letters. But that was then, and this is now. I I I like this woman better, Uh, or I like this man better, or uh, not that I'm interested in someone else. I'm just not interested in you anymore. As a Christ follower, follower of Christ, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to build the loyalty in our heart that our following Christ loyally reflects in our relationship with others. Why? Why do we follow him? To become more like Christ. To be faithful like him. To be dependable, reliable, reliable to be consistent day in and day out because of his unchanging loyalty to God. And in 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 our relationship, in in our um even service also too. And I I, I long for the day that we will celebrate fifty anniversary, wedding anniversary. I know our, our you know, I, I'm in 20s, and maybe Stephen, Annette, you guys will be in 20s, twenties, some some, not 30th yet. Is there any 30th? But not only that, the celebrating 40th anniversary, and then still in love. Not a puppy love, but it's a genuine deep love that people will look at that marriage and say, wow, that marriage is something I desire. In the same way, are you following Christ? And is your discipleship attractive because of your loyalty? Or are you flip-flopping? Brothers and sisters, what does it mean to be a Christ? It means to follow Jesus every day, day in and day out. Rainy day, sunny day. When the things are going well, when the things are not going well. When you lost, grieved the loss of loved one. When you have new birth in your life. Follow Jesus. The second phrase is simply come and see. And then if you look at your outline in your bulletin, there will be two come and see. That's not a mistake. That's intentional. The first come and see we want to apply to Philip, which means following Jesus, means to introduce others to Jesus as a natural part of authentic discipleship. I think it begs the redundancy here. (laughs) But read it again. Following Jesus means to introduce others to Jesus as a natural part of authentic discipleship. Verse 44 Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Remember, when we are studying the gospel of John, it is easy read. Any new believers can understand also too. But he is intentional with economy his wor- with his word. But a lot of things that he is very intentional in his approach, there's a depth in that. But even in this short passage, there's so much. Initially, I thought, oh, who's this Nathaniel guy? Like, who's this Philip guy? It's very kind of shallow thing going on. But when you think about it, let's talk about a couple of things here first of all the way Philip introduced Jesus to Nathaniel to his friend instead of the simple words he described as we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote that's The Jewish expression of the entire Bible, the Old Testament, talked about this Messiah all the time. We found him. The scripture talks about it. He's in person right here. What does it tell us? Both of them, they might be uh, fishermen, but they are avid students of the scripture. They're interested, they're seeking, they have been seeking in their own heart. The Nathaniel's answer, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Sounds like a prejudice. I I even heard the whole message about prejudice from this passage. But in closer look of the passage, there are more better things, good qualities about Nathaniel than bad ones. You know the trendy things? Uh... <clears throat> even in America, there's this kind of movement and that kind of movement. Uh, I still remember, we some of us kind of hung out and talked about this. There was some kind of a tremendous healing crusade happening in Florida. And they said, incredible miracles happen. We will keep meeting. 21 days of meeting or something like that. And then some some... Well, renowned spiritual leaders from our Southern California went there to support and where the Spirit is, I'm there. Within that two weeks after that, the secular media broadcasted basically his moral failure. While that was going on, he was having an affair. And the whole thing blew up. Obviously. Nathaniel was not one of those gullible people. Nathaniel's critical mind, and actually I'm going ahead on this. Um, let's focus on Philip first. We could talk about Nathaniel the next slide. Philip is saying, okay, brother, you are saying this. Let me bring this argument. He didn't have a debate. His simple and yet intentional, natural approach was, hey bro, come check out yourself. Come and see. I know you have a lot of questions and you have a lot of doubts. Questions, difficult questions, I welcome, but don't stay and don't see. And Don't stay and not see. Come and see. Check out yourself. Uh, in this, I, I really think it's, what does it mean to become a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Is it something about just going to church, attendance, And then when it comes to evangelism, oh, that's some special class of people. According to this, this happened day one. Maybe within the same day, he met Jesus and he said, oh, this is the person I've been looking for all my life. And out of that simple joy, I want to introduce this person this Jesus, to my friend. Don't we all all do that? I don't know, I don't know about you, Uh, you know, when I got into the old school blues music, B.B. King, I'm talking about, there was a soul in it when I was listening to it. It's like, oh, it's not a hymn or gospel song or anything like that. But it brings out my soul into it. I, uh, you know, I was, as I was listening to it, and I was introducing that to some people, friends, you've got to listen to this. Just, I'm going to turn it off, and just listen, give it a little try. You will find, this is not a, just a simple, shallow music, somewhere in the deep in your heart, there's something will, BB King will bring that out when he shouts, when he he plays Lucy, he calls his guitar Lucy. (laughs) Uh, Lucille, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If we do that, and some of us got into into, um, all different kinds of things, right? Art, Star Wars, and Star Trek, and um, introducing others to Jesus is natural part of authentic discipleship you don't need a theology degree for this you just need to be authentic follower and get excited about Jesus following Jesus oh I gotta introduce so and so to Jesus, to Jesus How about Philip part? Verse 47. Let's read that passage first. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward them and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. I think there is much more conversation went on. But once again, John the apostle uses economy of words. Nathaniel, with reluctance, he, with his critical mind, he came. He didn't become one of those cynics like, ah, I don't want to even hear about it. But what was the good part that he had? He really had um, what Jesus said was, a true Israelite. There's no deceit, no guile, guileless person. What Jesus is saying these things is very intentional as well. Jacob was full of deceit. Remember he, he deceited his, his father, his brother, and that's how he earned the blessing. But God's sovereign mercy transformed him and from day on, that day on he was called Israel. So deceit, And no deceit. A true Israelite. He mentioning that. Okay. If we become technical person to to think about, oh, I thought salvation was uh, by unconditional choice of God that we cannot deserve anything. True. But that doesn't mean there are things displeasing to God and there are things pleasing to God. We don't earn it. We don't merit. But if there is a tr- pleasing to God, we ought to look at those qualities and cultivate them in our, in our lives. The guilelessness, no having no deceit is in, in one sense, we could look at it this way. That person has a single mindedness. That person doesn't have a duplicitous motives. Yeah, he kind of wants to serve God, but he kind of wants his glory as well. None of that. And that's why he's blunt. Why? The second thing that we see as a good thing about Nathaniel is instead of being gullible and going with the trending things, he was critical in his mind, thinking mind to discern not to criticize what was he looking through because they talked about uh, the person of whom Moses wrote and the prophets wrote the Messiah where was the prophecy where was he Where, where were what city was he supposed to be born Bethlehem Nazareth We got the wrong place here. He was questioning. And obviously, Jesus was born in Bethlehem because of Herod, who, um, King Herod, who was trying to kill every baby because of his insecurity. Um, all the babies were killed, and they fled to Egypt. And when they came back, they settled down in Nazareth, and he became a Nazarene. So he did have an incomplete but at least the right set of scripture mind. What does scripture say? I don't care what anybody, anybody say but through the scripture guidance this is right and this is wrong. Could be something we could learn. But on the other hand just because we study the Bible and we become so cynical and our, my understanding is only right and that type of pride and that type of closed-mindedness is actually not of Jesus. He was open. He came. I am skeptical but I came to explore. And he found Jesus knowing about him not only where he was, maybe he was seeing through his art. There are some commentators who uh, wrote about the fig tree. Some of them said a fig tree usually is a place of meditation. So when Jesus saw Nathaniel, he was actually thinking about Messiah. speculation uh, so we don't need to hold on to that but what <coughs> what is important is for us to know that it's not a okay I was walking by I saw you over there it's not that Jesus was displaying his omniscience to a point that Nathaniel felt he was seen through That because of that, he's confessing, Rabbi, you're the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. These are Old Testament titles for the Messiah. So some of us, we're encouraged in the wrong way when we're growing up. Oh, just don't ask questions. Just believe. All you have to be believe. Blind faith. That's not what is encouraged here. And notice that the question that Nathaniel asked, Jesus never rebuked on him. Instead of closing our eyes, we need to open our eyes wide and ask questions. Truth doesn't need our defense. If we are trying to explore something to be untrue, the truth becomes truer. The more we try to expose, the more truer it becomes, if if it's the truth. Same thing with Jesus. So I know... Some of you have different kind of questions. Maybe some questions about your background, your personality. Some of, some of you have some emotional questions. Uh, how could loving God do this kind of thing? So instead of close your mind, and like, just believe God is good. Open up. Study the scriptures. Study the, scripture, study the sco- stories. Study job and explore. Is he true? Is he really good God, not only powerful, sovereign, almighty God, but it is, is he absolutely consistently good? And then he will become truer to you. Fourth and last phrase is you will see greater things than these. And these two verses took me several hours to understand. I I could, you know, come to that the gullible way. Okay, this commentator said this, I'm going to jump into bandwagon and believe. As I'm thinking more and more, these two verses were troublesome to me. Because I I just couldn't figure it out. But this is my conviction. After several hours of struggling, um, what does becoming a follower of Jesus entail? Following Jesus means to keep getting to know him more until his return with his consummated. Full glory. Chapter, uh, verse, verse 50 and 51. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the victory. tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, You will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The first one, uh, verse 51, and when, he, when he said, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending. He already talked about Jacob, the Israelite, right? Israel, right? But this was when Jacob encountered God and called that place Bethel, the house of God, because God dwells in that. In his dream with, you know, his pillow made out of stone, he dreamt that heaven opened up, the ladder came down, it's more staircase, and then angels going up and down up and down that glorious vision and dream that he had it's obvious Jesus is referring to that vision the difficulty is what does that mean and you know, one one uh even very good scholars and some those whom i respect and in Reformed tradition, uh, it must be um, the latter being spiritual meaning. The staircase being what connects heaven and and earth. So referring to Jesus. So Jesus being mediator. Our salvation. Nothing more to it. It's a spiritual meaning. That's the end of it. I think there's much more than that. And then uh, because of verse 50, uh, you, you will see greater things than these. And some other scholars and the commentators would say, you know, starting chapter 2, miracle of Cana, the water turning into wine, they will see these, all these signs of Messiah. Great miracles. So he's referring to that. Nothing more. And the heaven opened up when he was getting baptized, the heaven opened up. the son was getting baptized. The father saw saw down you know looked down and spoke, "This is my son, beloved son." And the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Oh, that heaven opened up is, is that? I, I think it's more than that. Especially in according to John, look at what words Jesus used and he cut it. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of man. Jacob was a type of Christ foreshadowing. Of coming Christ. So. Instead of Jacob sitting down and watching this. The son of man. In Jacob's place. knew Jacob. And there's up up, up and down going on. Then what is son of man? The son of man in one sense. You could think about humanity of Jesus. Remember he is a full. Perfect human being. So Son of Man means Jesus is referring to that. But wasn't he referred to Son of God as well in the Gospel of John? Yes. But this Son of Man is more than just referring to humanity of Jesus only, although there's a component to that. This Son of Man is the title of Daniel chapter 7, which is the great prophecy of coming things about the end of the world and Messiah and the coming king. The great figure, messianic figure that is divine as well as a human. So Jesus referred to, he, this was his favorite self title. In John, Gospel of John, 12 times he used this title on himself. Looking at all the gospel, 81 times he called himself son of man. Why? Because that was kind of a Jesus' way of revealing self closer, disclosure to people. To a people who are softened and open heart. They were seeing through what Jesus was saying. But then yet to other person is basically oh he's saying the son sort of man. In other words this is the picture of the day of the Lord, when Jesus returns, Revelations 19 verse 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called the faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. He his eyes like a are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them, with a rod of iron, he will thread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the day of the Lord in other, words, in other words, the Old Testament talks about judgment day. Jesus will come no longer as a meek lamb. He will come as the judge of the entire world. And he will strike the nations, the rod of iron. And he will rule. And he will come with the full glory, consummated glory. King of kings and Lord of lords. And that someday brothers and sisters if you and I belong to Christ we will witness this together. The question is in the meantime what are we to do? Becoming a Christian it doesn't mean okay I receive Christ I get to check There's nothing to do anymore. So let's have fun. Day by day, we are to get to know him, not only through scripture, but through experience. I wonder what we can learn. I wonder what my sons can learn about the power of Jesus, about the comfort of Jesus, the peace of Jesus through this loss of their grandpa. And even for me, as I'm going through this, can we honestly say life is full of sorrow, but I can continually rejoice? Thanks and praise be to God, who is sovereign, who is holy, who is merciful. Even in his severe mercy, We sense his deep care for us. He's molding us. He's chipping away unnecessary flaws that we have. Our complacency, my entitlement. May the Lord be blessed. Getting to know Jesus. And we ought to know Jesus more every day. I, I, my marriage is not the perfect marriage. Um, I get in trouble all the time. Um, but when, you know, when you when you ask me when is a good the best moments of your marriage, we're not in Bahamas, we're not in Hawaii. It's the moment that I can't really think about the externals of Kate. When I close my eyes, I know her. I know what's inside of her. I know his temp- her temperament, her gentleness, her wittiness, her skillful word the way of doing word with words, the artistic poetry. I cannot say okay, when I close my eyes and she is this way and that way Sometimes even the face changes so many times throughout, especially after you know, giving birth to four sons. The woman go through so much they change. Uh, we, we change too. We just get old. but um. You know the point that I'm making? Sisters and brothers, When you think about Jesus, what do you think of? What have you gotten to know know past X number of years? What's endearing to your heart? What warms your breast? What makes you teary when you think of Jesus? What makes you in awe? the very first message on John's gospel series. I warned against the caricature of Jesus of today's world. The type of Jesus that we like, we infuse those things only and then we want to follow that Jesus. No. You cannot contain Jesus because he's pre-existent, co-existent, self-existent God, full of glory. For our sake, there is a hiddenness of His glory for the time being. And His humanity is perfect without sin. As much as He could empathize and sympathize our weaknesses, He has not sinned. that fuller picture of Jesus is something that we, ne- we need to get to know. I'm going to close with two quotes, one from Charles Spurgeon, another century preacher, and the other one from Tim Keller, uh, who's in New York, uh, increasingly more well-known because of his poignant words in his book. I both are so worthy and makes us to apply keeps, keeps us to be on our uh, toes to think about what it means to be a Christian Charles Spurgeon writes you cannot be Christ's servant if you are not willing to follow him cross and all what do you crave? a crown? that it must be a crown of thorns if you are to be like him. Do you want to be lifted up? So you shall, but it will be upon a cross. Following Christ is a taking the way of the cross and following him. Tim Keller writes, Jesus says, I want you to follow me so fully, so intensely, so enduringly that all other attachments in your life look weak by comparison. So to all of the followers of Jesus in this room, Will you follow him and him only? Will you follow all of him, including his cross? Will you follow him with single-mindedness, discerning yet open heart? will you follow him with a simple joy to introduce your friends to others after all if we think about how we came to know Christ why we're sitting in this room it's not typically by a TV evangelist preaching or some unknown preacher preaching but through the hands of our friends and family we were led we were introduced to Christ and we took up on their words and yes I'll come and see so would you come and see Jesus the real authentic Jesus who allows us to be sorrowful And they're continually rejoicing in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're worthy of our trust. Not just a half-hearted trust, um, but our single-minded, wholehearted hearted trust. We will follow you. Help us to be, stay focused on you and fix our eyes on Jesus. Not on people, not on things, and not on organizations or human institutions of different uh, flaws, but on you, Lord. May we never be distracted. We also pray that you will keep us loyal and faithful, making that perpetual commitment to follow you wherever you go, even to the cross. And I pray, Lord, our journey ha- ahead it seems to be full of dry land and and desert even in terms of facility. But thank you for your sovereign purpose of preparing us through the difficult times and our loved one being sick or even passing away. And may your sovereign grace open our eyes that we will have a clear vision in following you every day, all the way, and everywhere. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.